And we started teaching a new series last week about the principles of the doctrine of Christ. And there's a lot of different translations for that in the Greek because the word doctrine is actually the Greek word logos, which just means things written down. So it's not didache, which would be doctrine or didactic. It is just logos. So it gets translated a lot of different ways. I, one of them I found I really liked. It said uh, the word of the beginning, the first principles, elementary understandings. One of the modern translations says the ABCs of messianic teachings. So this passage says you should have already mastered the ABCs of messianic teaching, but you have drawn back and now need the foundation laid again. That's the heart of this passage. Now, you're either advancing in the gospel of Christ or you're drawing back. And what I have experienced and observed over the years of pastoring, that when you withdraw, you don't withdraw to a new place. You and I will always withdraw to where God brought us from. If you came out of big hair rock and roll bands of the 80s, if you withdraw, that's where you're going back. You're not going to withdraw from Def Leppard or Metallica and land in Jay-Z's lap. You're not going to withdraw from Bill Monroe and land in Beastie Boys. You <laughs> and I've listened to all that music over the years. Bill Monroe. I had to give a nod to local folks. And we're even, okay. He was the grandfather of bluegrass. Flat and Scruggs. Frank, you're the only black guy in here nodding. What does that say about you? <laughs> You've lived here a long time. So Bill Monroe, Flat and Scruggs, bluegrass grandfathers. When you and I withdraw, we're not falling back into something brand new. We'll always go back to where we came from because that's the old path. That's the path we've beaten. If you backslide, you're gonna, if you were coming out of prostitution, you'd backslide into sex sin. If you get delivered from pornography, you're going to backslide into pornography. Nobody backslides into something brand new. Nobody says, you know what? I'm going to back off God and let's try a different kind of heathen lifestyle. Nobody does it because you're not familiar with it. It takes too much work. Plus, your, your flesh hasn't been trained to enjoy that. You're going to go back to where your flesh has been trained. What we've got to do is make sure we don't draw back, that we're always building upon this foundation that the modern translations calls the ABCs of messianic doctrine. And so we looked at that and we said there's only six foundation stones to the ABCs of messianic teaching. And yet, probably, unfortunately, many of us would be hard to teach 20 minutes on each one though they are the foundation upon which we build the church. And they are, in chapter 6, verse 1, they are repentance from dead works. We looked at that last week. They are faith toward God. We'll look at that this morning. They are the doctrine of baptisms, plural. Most folks can give you the one baptism. They think hard. They might scratch it something and come up with two baptisms, but the Bible talks about five New Testament baptisms. Five. That's why it's plural. The laying on of hands. That's another foundation stone. That's the ABCs of Christian doctrine. Funny, some churches don't even practice that doctrine. So how is their foundation settling out? And then we have the resurrection of the dead. And we don't even have to go into pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, no-trib, A-trib. 
premillennial, postmillennial, amillennial. It's just resurrection of the dead. We all agree there's a resurrection of the dead. And then it says eternal judgment. We will all be judged eternally. We will all either spend forever with God or in a devil's hell to be cast into the lake of fire. Only six principles to the doctrine of Christ. And if we're not building upon them, by default, we're automatically withdrawing. This is what we looked at last week. And so here in Hebrews 5, verse 12, it says, For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, the first principles of the things or the teachings of God. Uh, We looked at, I think, the New English translation last week, and it says, For when the time be that you should, you have gone back, and you need to be retaught these things. And that's the overall theme in this passage that really kind of starts here and concludes um, about chapter 6, verse 11. The whole premise of the whole theme is don't draw back. Don't draw back. Hebrews goes on to say later, we're not of those that draw back unto perdition, but those that press on to the saving of our soul. So this is a good message and a word for us right now. You've got to make sure you never draw back. You don't draw back. You don't draw back. You don't let the race baiters draw you back. You don't let uh, sin draw you back. You don't let Marvel movies draw you back. You don't let your favorite music draw you back. You don't let grandmama draw you back. You don't let your brother who you loved your whole life, but now he's living in sin, draw you back. You keep pressing on. You don't get to change your doctrine on homosexuality just because your favorite cousin came out trans. We love them, but we love Jesus more. We don't get to change doctrine because our family members are going to hell or choosing to rebel or choosing to give in to sin. We keep pressing toward. The Baptist taught me, though none go with me, I still will follow. Then the refrain, no turning back, no turning back. What did God, Chris Tomlin could produce a song about not turning back? And he's one of the better worship leaders of our day. Now, we press on, and this foundation gives us something upon which to build that if we'll build it, nobody can pull us off of it. Think about Nehemiah and him building on that foundational wall and him telling everybody, I'm not coming off this wall. You can go pound salt. I'm not coming off this wall. We have a wall. We have a foundation. And if we come off it, there's no option but drawing back. And this is something that happens every day in people's lives. They draw back, they draw back, they draw back. These six foundation stones, as we'll call them, of the principles of the doctrine of Christ, these are upon which we build everything else. Notice in these six, there's nothing about young earth or old earth creationism. Because contrary to a lot of ministries, it don't matter. And even though we have the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead, it has, says nothing about pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, or no rapture, because it don't really matter. What is that to you, follow thou, Jesus? Whether you get raptured before the tribulation, mid-tribulation, after the tribulation, whether we're in the millennial, or the millennial's coming, or there's a seven-year time frame, uh, frame of pause before the... It doesn't matter. Just follow Jesus. What does it matter anyway? Just follow Jesus. The worst thing that can happen to you is you die. And go be with Jesus. The worst thing that could happen to you is you die and go to hell because you didn't walk with Jesus in this life. So we don't draw back. We press on. And the problem is a lot of Christians don't want to press on. They want to just kind of play games with God and flirt. 
So he says, when the time has come that you ought to be teachers, chapter 5, verse 12, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become, are become. You were going somewhere, but you've become something different. Uh, Paul said lots of things like this to Galatians. You did run well. Who did hinder you? Who did bewitch you? You were doing so well. Why did you draw back? This is how we can explain why folks get born again, start serving, and then they peter out. We've had a lot of worship leaders in the last two years come out and deny Christ. A lot of famous ones. How did they start so well? How did they lead so many people into the presence of God and now they're apostate? Because they didn't finish their race. They drew back. And you didn't draw back overnight. You drew back from the foundation and started going to where you wanted just milk. We covered last week that milk and meat are two biblical concepts. Milk is the hearing. Meat is the doing. And whenever the Bible says, uh, grow by the sincere milk of the word, it means just listening. But Jesus said in John 4, my meat is to do. So when you go from hearing to doing, you go from milk to meat. And the second you stop doing the word of God and serving him, you're automatically backsliding to the bottle. And if you stay there too long, you'll fall off into apostasy. Because one of the ways we strengthen our faith is by acting on it. One of the ways I watch fellow preachers lose uh, their walk with God is they believe something, but they're afraid to teach it because it might run people off. And it was Tozer, A.W. Tozer, a great theologian who said, if you believe it, but you don't teach it, you don't believe it at all. Some of you are cowards when it comes to tongues. You're terrified that people will find out they speak in tongues, that you do. Why are you ashamed of it? You ought to just demonstrate it for your friends. They're demonstrating for you how to smell like pot and sex, booze. They're demonstrating for you their newest tattoo in some weird place. Why don't you just say, you know what I think about that? What is that? I don't know, but it's a Holy Ghost and you need some of it. Because if you had it, you wouldn't be piercing and tattooing yourself. You certainly put the bottle down, you alcoholic. I just think, isn't it bizarre and perverse? We pray in tongues, that's in the Bible, and that makes them uncomfortable. I was talking to somebody in our church recently, and they're helping a family, but the husband has been struggling with gay porn and now is buying ladies' clothing and is dressing up in private like a woman. And so the family in our church who's trying to help them said, well, you need to come on back to our church. And they they said, no, 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 that tongue stuff makes us uncomfortable. (laughs) And you being a dude wearing ladies' pumps, buying dresses, and walking around your house like Jenner doesn't make you uncomfortable. This is the perversion of the apostate reprobate mind of our nation. I don't want to come to a church that could deliver me because that tongue stuff makes me uncomfortable, but I am plenty comfortable being a dude dressing in drag in the comfort of my home. That is a mind 
that is reprobate, devoid of judgment. And I'm not sure you can help them unless they're willing to have that demon cast out of them. Why are you ashamed of tongues? At one point, you were so hungry for it, you'd have done anything to have hands laid on you to get it. Everybody you know ought to know you're a tongue talker. I'm just praying tongues constantly. Praying tongues on the job. What are you doing? I'm talking to God in the Holy Ghost. You need something? I can get it for you. Don't apologize for it. Why would you apologize for the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Why would you apologize for something Paul said, I would to God, you all spoke in tongues. Why would you light that little candle and hide it under a bushel? Amen. Don't, don't you do it. Don't you draw back. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. Everyone that uses milk, everyone that just wants to listen, you're unskillful. When all you do is listen, you have no skill. When all you do is come to church once every two weeks, you're a babe. When all you do is come to church and listen and take notes and don't ever serve around here, you're a babe. And how long will you be a babe? How long before your babe skills are not strong enough to keep you ahead of this life? But strong meat belongs those to, to them who are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Doing the word belongs to those who are mature, who have exercised their senses to discern good and evil. Babes, baby Christians are just ignoramuses. They'll read anything. Baby Christians feed on Christian television. You want to know how if you're a babe in Christ, you go to Christian television. I teach you four services a week, and you go to Christian television. That's a baby Christian. I bring in some of the best ministers from all over the world, and you go to Christian television. Have you not learned by now, just because they can shoot a fancy production doesn't mean they have God? Hollywood has fancy productions. Is there any God there? No. So quit letting Christian television deceive you. My heart's question today is, if you're on Christian television, where did you compromise? That's honestly my question now. Who did you compromise to get that contract? Why would you sign a contract with that station? Why are you on that network? That's the question I'd ask probably nine out of ten of them. And you think the one that you listen to is not the one I'm thinking of. I wouldn't go so far. I would tell you the only people worth listening to on Christian television are Baptist. Dr. David Jeremiah, Dr. Charles Stanley, and maybe Billy Graham reruns. That would be about it anymore. Did I not name one of yours? Maybe if you let them go, you could grow up. Because at least those men just preached the word and salvation and they still do it in a suit and tie. And they don't look like some pot-smoking, dope, sex-fiend hippie showing off their muscles and their nipples. If they're bold enough to wear it, I ought to be bold enough to preach it. That one nipple preacher out of New York, he turned out to be a sex-fiend anyway. I called him the nipple preacher because he's always wearing shirts where you can see his nipples and his tattoos and his chains sleeping with every good-looking girl in his church. If you didn't see that coming, you were an idiot. So we called him the nipple preacher. It's not the testimony you want before God Almighty. <laughs> Chapter 6, verse 1, because we're going nowhere fast. And I got a lot of notes because I want to get to faith toward God. 
So he says, not laying again, therefore, having these principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Let's go on towards maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. So the foundation, we covered this last week, is repentance from dead works. What the, the list of six are these foundation stones. That is our foundational teaching of Christ's doctrine. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3.10 talks about be careful how you build upon the foundation. Ephesians 2.20 talks about the apostles and prophets being that foundation. Jesus Christ himself being the head cornerstone. So these are six principal doctrines that we ought to know like the back of our hand. I'm teaching this series because Brother Hagen said every pastor ought to teach this on a regular basis. Come around to it every couple years, and it's been about seven or eight years since I taught this series. So it's worth covering again. The world's in a totally different place, so it comes out differently. So we covered last week repentance from dead works. Dead works isn't just sin. Dead works is anything you do to try to get into heaven. Because we are saved by grace through faith, not of works. So when you're trying to do it yourself, that's a dead work. Last week we covered more specifically for us that dead works is anything you do for God with a bad attitude. And we picked on Eddie and his, our famous story about cleaning up that one apartment for the guy who was a little bit of an invalid but could not, would not take care of himself. And we all lost some rewards in heaven over that ordeal because it was hard to keep a good heart towards how nasty that person lives. Dogs don't live in dog dens as nasty as that man lived in his apartment. So we did a good work helping a brother in Christ clean up his apartment, but our attitude was so sour, we were all burning past rewards in heaven. Just nothing there for us. That's a dead work. Singing on the worship team with an attitude of showmanship becomes a dead work. Wanting everybody to see what you're doing for God is an attitude of showmanship. That becomes a dead work. Paul, uh, excuse me, the Lord Jesus adjusted all this in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. He said, when you pray, don't be like the Pharisees who blow a trumpet to be seen. When you fast, don't be like the religious hypocrites who uh, darken their face to look like they fast. When you give an offering, he told them how to do stuff so they would have rewards for it, how to turn their dead works back into good works. So we covered that in full last week. That brings us, though, to the second doctrine, the second principle, the second foundation stone of the six, and that is faith toward God. That almost stands in comparison to dead works, work, 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 or just faith toward God. Now, notice it says in the King James and other translations, faith toward God. It doesn't say faith in God. It is, the, it is a uh, pronoun in the Greek, epi, but it is the accusative in the Greek, which means it's an action moving forward and being applied to something. That's why we don't translate it faith in God, though a modern translation or two will they say faith in God. They miss the nuance of it. Faith toward God, because when your faith is toward something, that's where you go. You can have faith in a lot of stuff, but when all you have is faith in something, it really becomes nothing but a mere mental checklist of agreements. I agree in evolution. I agree in Islam. I agree with uh, this politician. I agree with climate change. I agree with no climate change. This is not really faith. It's just belief. I agree with something. But that's not going to change your life. Agreeing with climate change is not going to change your life. Mentally agreeing or mentally disagreeing with climate change is not going to change your life. And that is why the nuance is there and must be brought out. It's faith toward God. Faith as opposed towards, uh, towards something else. Faith toward Muhammad. Faith toward Vishnu. Faith toward Brahma. Faith toward Confucius. Faith toward yourself. Faith toward your inheritance. 
that grandma's supposed to leave you? What is your faith toward? Because we've all got faith. But what is it toward? Because this is a foundational stone. If you don't have a faith toward God, it might explain why you don't change or come to church very much. When your faith is toward God, you keep landing with God. And just because you come to church once a month doesn't mean you have a faith toward God. Faith toward God moves your life from one place to another. It's not just a faith in God. James 2, James says, you believe in God, you do well. The demons believe and they tremble. When you witness to folks, a lot of people say they believe in God, but you don't see any trembling. So the demons have a stronger faith than they do. At least the demons tremble. They know who they're dealing with. Most folks who say, yeah, I believe in God, they don't tremble over nothing. They're reprobate, abjects, callous, and they're going to a devil's hell. But at least the demons will say, shut up and shake, man, shake. That's God. Have you no respect? Why are the demons more reverential for God than Christians? <laughs> Philippians 3 says, I press toward the mark of the high call. When you have a faith toward God, you come up. When you have a faith in God, you just come to church. When you have a faith toward God, your life actually changes because you're moving towards something. You're accomplishing. Even, even if one day you only move a foot, the next day you move three feet, the next day after that you move two inches, at least you're covering ground. But faith in just kind of keeps your status quo. You can believe in God and still drink. You can believe in God and still look at porn. You can believe in God and still flirt with your secretary. You can believe in God and still pierce weird flaps of skin that were never meant to be pierced. Look like a cow. There's something wrong when a human being wants to look like cattle. Some of those folks, I, I hurt for them, but I wish I should carry it around like a little red handkerchief and I could go, Toro, Toro, Toro. Because they look like cattle with that little ring there in their nose. And to me, that ring says sexual trauma. Toro. Wear those little weird Spaniard Mickey Mouse hats. Stick around, you'll get cultured one way or another. You can make fun of those dudes for the little pants, but they have swords. They stick in the backs of those cows. That's bullfighting. You know that's how it works, right? Don't tell PETA. They get the cow to charge at them so they can pull a sword and stick it in their back. And if you ever watch it, there'll be seven, eight, nine swords in the, stuck in the back of the cow before it finally succumbs. That is Spanish bullfighting. They don't play that on ESPN. It's not woke. <laughs> not even ESPN 8. <laughs> Faith toward God changes you. You can't have faith toward God and be a drunkard. You can't have faith toward God and stay addicted to porn. You can't have faith toward God and flirt with your secretary. You can't have faith toward God and look like a pincushion in your face. A faith toward God takes you out of darkness and into light because you're moving towards something. You're leaving something and moving towards something. In is just passive, but toward that demands change out of us. So you just judge yourself there, church family. How, where are you changing and not changing? Because you may need to ramp up what you're aiming your faith toward. And not just this passive mental ascent. Because faith isn't mental ascent. Faith 
is an earnest expectation. Faith, I have here give you a definition. Faith is a dynamic force of trust and expectation. It's a dynamic force of trust and expectation. Faith expects something out of God based on what he promised. Faith isn't this passive mental agreement. Oh, I agree with them. I agree with that. That's not faith. That's mental agreement. We as Christians often confuse mental agreement with faith. And you can agree with a lot of stuff and never change your life by it. We can measure how much faith we have by how much our life is being changed. You can be under conviction, but not have the faith to do anything about it. Faith is a dynamic force of trust and expectation. It is no mere list of mental agreements or disagreements. It's a dynamic force of trust and expectation. Go to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Because this is the same chapter where, where the author of Hebrews talks about the second foundation stone is faith toward God. And we look at Hebrews chapter 11 and we see what's called the great hall of faith. And none of it has anything to do with mental agreement. Almost every one of these demonstrations is an action. It's a faith that compelled these people to move from point A to point B. And if you can stay the same two weeks in a row, two months in a row, two years in a row, you have no faith in God. You have a mental play game, a mental patty cake, a mental, I like this, but you don't live for God. If that insults you, you've proven my point because faith doesn't get offended. Faith looks for a way to change. Faith looks for a way to be more Christ-like. Faith looks for a way to shine more light. Faith does not look to stay like the upper Cumberland. Faith is not busy identifying with its life from 30 years ago. Faith is looking to be more heaven-bound, more heavenly-minded. Faith looks at everything in its domain and says, that's out of sorts, that's out of sorts, that's unacceptable, that's unacceptable, that's good, that's okay, this is decent, that's got to change, and then it does something about it. It's not enough to know you're a mess. What are you doing about it? What are you doing? Because if you're doing nothing, you got no faith. But faith says, I got to fix this. This is unacceptable. Faith can't be lazy. And this is where a church like ours will ruin you. Because I teach a lot. And you're smart people. Your brain can absorb so much doctrine. But please don't mistake that for faith. That's just education. All of you could go get a second or third degree or maybe your first college degree in a field you agree nothing with, but you could learn it. But just because you've learned it doesn't mean you agree with it or will ever live it. And just because you come to this church and take these notes and listen to our teaching doesn't mean it will ever change your life. And when it doesn't change your life, it proves you never had any faith. Faith changes who you are. It doesn't defend what you were. It changes who you are. And the end result is you're more Christ-like and less mama-like, less daddy-like, less defined by your last name and your past failures. You're more like Christ. We don't even see you for who you used to be. All we can see is, man, they're walking with God. It's a toward. You're going toward something. You're not just staying the same. The problem with this region is folks have a faith in God, but not a faith toward God. So they go to their church and they come once a week or once a month or they come once every two months and they stay the same. And they wonder why God doesn't bless them because you don't bless him. You come to church once a week does not bless God. You have barely even begun to do your service. No, when you bless God, he might, he might smile upon you, give you some favor. But coming to church once a month, you're not helping God nothing. 
You're fulfilling some little fleshy obligation. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. We could give it another translation in the Greek. It says, Now faith is the confidence of things expected. Faith is the confidence of things expected. There's nothing passive about faith. Faith is the confidence of things expected. And Hebrews 11 gives you a list of actions that faith accomplished in our forefathers. And none of them were white or black. They were all what we would call Semites. Arabs, if you're from the Upper Cumberland. <laughs> Bedouins. Not like anybody in here. And yet they had faith because in the end, God doesn't care about your color or your past, only about your faith. Pastor Vaughn used to say, you're done, somebody done me wrong song doesn't move God. Somebody done me wrong. Somebody done me wrong. So everybody's done everybody wrong. How come nobody ever sings a song about how I did somebody wrong? How come nobody ever sings a song about their racism, always about the racism they experienced? Because you're in idolatry. You worship self. Amen. So let's look at a list here of things. Verse 4, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Faith toward God makes for some excellent sacrifices. Faith is that necessary ingredient. Not faith in God, faith toward God. When you have a faith toward God, you give your offerings toward God. You don't give your offering to a basket. You don't give your offering to a, a chest. You give an offering toward God. And that faith gives a more excellent sacrifice, a more excellent offering. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Faith toward God pleases God and translates you. That doesn't mean he makes you a different language. He takes you from one place and puts you in another. Some of you still need to be translated out of your past. Amen. You need to be translated away from your last name. You need to be translated away from mama's influence. You need to be translated away from where you were raised. You need to get away from that small town victim mindset. You have yet to walk with God because if you did, he'd translate you really quick. Because victim mindsets don't build the kingdom. You can't build the kingdom and build an idol and a memorial to yourself at the same time. Or a memorial to your people. You mean the body of Christ? You can't build both at the same time. But if you're building a memorial to your people... That's where your faith is towards, and you'll get that reward. But if you'll build a faith toward God, you'll, you'll build the kingdom, and that's where your reward will be. It's up to you, totally up to you. You're either going to have a victim mindset in this world or a victor mindset. And by faith, we're more than conquerors. We are the victor. And there's nothing you've endured that you can't overcome if you want to. And then God will remove you from the influences that taught you you were a victim. Come on, everybody, everybody's been done wrong everybody's been done wrong. You have no idea because you don't bother to ask because you'd never know because when you don't know, that's because they got the victory. They don't want to give glory to that past hurt or shame or embarrassment or debauchery or racial animosity they experienced. They don't want to give glory to that. They don't want to keep giving the devil pleasure in that. So they give Jesus the glory for translating their life and transfiguring their future. It's up to you. A faith toward God doesn't keep living in the past. 
faith toward God doesn't blame people. A faith toward God doesn't keep pointing fingers. A faith toward God forgives and moves on. And a faith toward God can't run with people that don't have a faith toward God. It can't stand it. Like, man, what is your problem? It's like a whiny child, except you're 45 years old. Verse 7. Let's look at verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God, there's that faith toward again, must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I think coming to church once a month is not a diligent seeking of God. Therefore, you get no reward. Therefore, don't expect the blessing of God. You got to believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those that lackadaisically seek him. Half-heartedly seek him. Welfare seek him. Cookful seek him. Church of Christ seek him. Limp-wristed charismatics seek him. Diligently seek him. That's how you get the reward of God. I mean, if you're wondering why your life's a mess, I'd, I would judge your seeker. Do you diligently seek him? On a scale of 1 to 10, how lame is your seeking? When you seek God, you can't get enough church. When you seek God, you can't get enough Bible. When you seek God, you can't get enough prayer. When you live with God according to the Sparta standard, shame on you. <laughs> I mean, really, the mindset of this region is still like 1890s, not even 1990s. Except if you translated modern Upper Cumberlanders to the 1890s, they'd all starve to death because they're too lazy to plow a field. <laughs> this region was stronger a hundred years ago. This region was holier a hundred years ago. This region pleased God better a hundred years ago. So what has happened? Religion, having a faith in God and not a faith toward God. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not, as seen, not, uh, not seen as yet, moving, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his household, by the which he condemned the world, and he became heir of the righteousness which is by God. Faith toward God obeys him and builds things. And when you obey God and build things, you save your family. And when you obey God and build things, you condemn people who don't obey God. Your life ought to be raising the standard on everybody else around you. Your life ought to put pressure on lukewarm Christians all around you. Your life ought to put a pressure. Because his faith condemned people around him. Because they believe not. That's what John said in John 3. Those that believe not are condemned already. Our faith condemns people. And that's all right. Because you don't have permission to slow down. Your faith will condemn your backslidden children. Your faith will condemn your backslidden parents. Your faith will condemn your best friend. Because your faith toward God is going to call you to do things they would never do. And you can't back off God to hang out with your buddy. You've got to run with Jesus. Faith prepares and builds, and it's the only way to save your household. You show your kids, this is what we do. We build the house of God. We build the boat of God. We build the ark of God. We're going to build animal cages for God. We're going to learn about animal husbandry and zoology for God. And we're going to put them on here two by two. And when everybody else goes glub, glub, we'll rise higher and higher. Or you can teach them how to have their best Tuesday ever. And all drown together. Verse 8. 
By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing where he went. Faith toward God will get you to leave home. It'll get you to leave your comfort zone. It'll get you to leave the little village you spent your whole life in. Faith toward God will get you to leave the, leave the small town in obedience to God. Faith toward God will get you out of your comfort zone. We live this American lie that we can serve God anywhere we want, anyhow we want, and he ought to be happy we just showed up. That is such an American insult to the gospel. You serve God on his terms, as he sees fit, when he sees fit, where he sees fit, or you're not serving God at all. If God calls you to Africa to be a missionary, you don't get to go to Florida. You'll spend the rest of your life out of the will of God. If God calls you to California, you don't get to move to Europe. If God calls you to Cookville, then you better just be happy there. Sometimes I feel like it's worse than California. <laughs> California's moving here, so before long we'll see. We'll see how it all sorts out. <laughs> yeah. Verse 9, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob. Sometimes faith is just putting up with your kids and grandkids. <laughs> the heirs with him are the same promise. Sojourning just means you're living a place you don't want to live. Faith will dwell in a foreign country. Think about our missionaries, the Scudders. By faith toward God, they moved to Uganda nine years ago and left the wealth, protection, provision, and ease of our country. If they'd stayed here, they'd be miserable, out of the will of God, and their marriage would probably have fallen apart. Because you can't expect God to bless rebellion. Faith toward God keeps you in the will of God. Faith in you, faith in comfort, faith in religion makes your life miserable, and you go nowhere and have nothing to show for it. And your kids catch that. They go nowhere too. And you can deceive yourself and say, well, we obey God, we sacrifice. I'm sorry, sweetie. When you obey God and sacrifice, your life proves it. Your children prove it. Your grandchildren prove it. Amen. Amen. Verse 11. Through faith also Sarah received strength. She herself received strength to conceive seed. A faith toward God will quicken your body when you have need of a quickened body to do what you're called to do. Some of you, you want healing, but you don't do nothing for God, so why should he heal you anyway? Healthy bodies are used for the kingdom. If you don't do much for God, you don't need a healthy body. But if you're busy for God, you can say, Lord, I'm busy for you. I'm building your kingdom. I need health. I need strong legs. I need, I need, I need that organ healed, Lord. I need that hip healed, Lord. I'm, I'm serving you. If you don't serve God, why should he touch your body? She received strength. She received healing for her body to fulfill the promise and the covenant she was in. She was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Remember, faith toward God, not faith in God. You don't get to rest on the fact, well, I'm a child of God. Well, you're not a very good one. Anybody with a lot of kids knows I got good ones and I got some not so good ones. And every other day they change positions. <laughs> God has a big family. He's not pleased with all of them. He loves everybody, but he doesn't favor all of them the same. If you came to last Sunday night service, you'd know that. Because we talked about favor. Look at verse uh, 15. Truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out of, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Faith toward God looks forward. It does not look back. 
If you're mindful of the country where you came from, if you're mindful of your last name, if you're mindful of grandmama, if you're mindful of your hometown, if you're mindful of your lineage, your heritage, your culture, in a negative way, you'll not go forward. You'll go back. Nothing wrong with being proud of being from Africa or being a southerner or being a west coaster. There's some, there's some neutral things. I'm all for cultural garb. I like dressing like the world in their cultures and their colors. There's nothing wrong with that, eating cultured food. But when you start to set down on that, you'll reject the kingdom culture. And these, if they'd been mindful of where they came from, if they'd aimed their faith toward where they came from, and what happened where they came from, they would have had opportunity to return there. And that would have ruined the destiny of God for their life. You don't get to go back. And you can't live in your past failures. So you just shut up and march on. Instead of going, na, 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 to God, you ought to stick your fingers in your ear to the devil and go, na, 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 can't hear what you're saying. Some of you plug your ears to God and won't hear what he's saying, but you'll readily listen to the devil rehearse your failures over and over and over again. So you stay there. Verse 16, but now they desire a better country. Faith toward God desires better. Better than Sparta. Better than Spencer. For Sparta and Spencer, Cookville's a step up. Lord God, if this is your step up, let's get you out of this region, show you something better. There are certain people I have said they just need to get out of our church and move away far and fast so they can have a shot at life. Because they're so baptized in this backwards region, this lazy, hick-infested region, this ignoramus, religious region, they'll never know the, the hand of God. They just have been so impregnated with small mind mindset. They need, I tell them, graduate, get out of here. Where? I don't care. Navy? I don't care. Trade school? I don't care. Just get out of here. Harvard, if you can get in, go. It will be better for you than here. Faith toward God wants better. Now they desire a better. That is a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. When you want better, God takes a certain pride in you. They want better, therefore God's not ashamed to call them God, uh, his kids. He's not ashamed to be called their God. So what does that mean if you don't want better? If we reverse the first phrase of that verse, we have to reverse the other. Now they desire less. Now they desire the same. That is called earthly. Therefore God is ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them better. Here's my ministry of 14 years in this region in a nutshell. Want better. If Cookville is the top of the barrel for you, find a better barrel. <laughs> this is my mission field. I would never wanted to come back to this region. I've had to learn to love it. I've had to learn to embrace it. I've had to learn to set my heart on the people here because I'm bigger than this region. This is the smallest weirdest, backwards place I've ever lived in my whole life. <laughs> and if you're born and raised here, you don't even know any better because this is all you know. This place is backwards. And to you, Cookville proper feels like New York City. <laughs> Man, we are so highfalutin. We got three Starbucks, 
Two Walmarts and an Aldi. That's German right there. We are cultured. Yeah, and like 74 checking the caches. 1.3 thousand roving meth labs and trailers that aren't even hooked up to a septic tank. Ew, we are top of the food chain, aren't we? In a small pond with scum on the surface. <laughs> Ain't exactly the Serengeti. By faith, verse 17, faith desires better. By faith, Abraham when he was tested or tried, offered up Isaac. Faith toward God obeys and makes sacrifices. What's God asking you to give up? Your children? Grandchildren? Listen, we're, we're, I'm all for having family. I'm all having, for having whatever we need. And America affords us so much. But, but we're dealing with eternity here. You'll get to see your kids in heaven. You'll get to see your grandkids in heaven. We really, we, we fight and we reject God over the pettiest sacrifices. We, as Americans, we don't even really know sacrifice yet. Oh, we didn't get to get into the soccer camp. Oh, that's so hard. Grow up. Oh, they rejected my application at the university. Go for a different school. Grow up. Oh, you know, there's a computer chip shortage, so the car's on back order. I don't get a new car for six more months. Shut up and grow up. I just really wish our kids could do this kind of sport, but they don't offer it in Cookville. Grow up. These are petty sacrifices. Abraham was about to have to sacrifice his only son that he looked forward to for 25 years, but by faith he did it. Verse 20. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Faith toward God pronounces blessings over children, not insults. Verse 23. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped. Excuse me, 23. I said it's 21. By faith, let's look at 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. Faith towards God will disobey civil governments. That does not mean you burn down your neighborhood in the name of justice. That was not faith. That was anarchy and a demon spirit. If this nation is so racist, why would you go burn down the minority business in your neighborhood? How come the Indian was able to come to your neighborhood and start three businesses and nobody in your family ever bothered to try? Thank you. Faith toward God will disobey the government when it needs to. Like, we're having church. We don't care what you say, COVID or not. Like, I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to preach against gays. I don't care what you say. And preach against sin, preach against abortion, preach against the government, preach against the Democrats, preach against the Republicans. We're an equal opportunity offender around here. We don't care what color you are, where you came from, what you stand for. If it doesn't line up with God, you're going to hell. Deal with it. Why are we so afraid? The worst they can do is kill us. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Faith toward God rejects the easy route. Some of you parents in here, you've raised your kids to be amazingly lazy. I mean, it's impeccable, the lazy and shiftlessness with which you've taught some of our young people. 
because you didn't teach them faith toward God. You taught them the easy route. So they always choose less than opposition. So they will be a failure most of their life unless they get better discipleship than what you've given them. You've given your kids too many options. In the kingdom, we get one option, choose life. And life is hard. By faith, Moses rejected the easy route and he chose suffering. Faith toward God will choose to suffer with God's people. Verse 27, by faith, Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. He got that from his mom and dad, his real mom and dad. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Faith toward God forsakes the world. I wish I could put my daughters in dance in this community, but I can't because all the dance schools in this community are weird. If I could find somebody that would simply teach classical ballet, yay. But I don't want some weirdo with a couple of homosexuals on staff teaching my kids how to crump and twerk to Christian music. I reject it. It's abominable. But what a small sacrifice so my kids don't learn ballet. Man, if I, we lived in Europe, all my kids would be taking ballet except for Bud. He'd be taking street fighting. <laughs> Though those male ballerinas, those dudes are stacked. They are strong, impeccable shape. But he don't need to be dancing around pants that tight. Not unless he's a modern worship leader. Like I said, we offend everybody equally around here. Stick around. We'll figure out where your idol is. It's wherever you get offended. That's your idol. That's what mocks God in your heart. I just happen to be really good at finding it and then poking it over and over and over again. Is this it? Is this it? Is this it? Is this it? Forsake the world, even if it means you don't get to do your favorite thing. Forsake the world. Is that so hard? Is that so hard? Moses did it. The king ran after him. You do it. Nobody notices you're gone. It's really not that hard. Just make a good decision. I'll never put my kids in drama or theater because it's full of perverts, deviants, and folks who were not parented. Maybe I could have 30 years ago, but not today. No. And if you think you can safely do it, you're foolish. You're naive. Your eyes are blind. You're an ignoramus. You're dumb, spiritually dumb. You can't see where we're at in time. Amen. We're living in a day where we have to protect our children and maintain their innocence. Yes. So what if they don't get to be in drama or chorale or choir or play in the marching band? Who cares? Some of our brothers and sisters overseas don't even get to come out of a basement because they'll be arrested or sold into the sex trade. And you're upset because they don't get to go play soccer? Grow up, you and your little petty Americanism. We are so blessed still. We want to march for some right God never promised us anyway. Let's keep reading here. Verse 28, by faith, they kept the Passover. Faith puts Jesus Christ first. Verse 29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea. Faith toward God marches through the impossible. And notice that when the Egyptians essayed to do so, they were drowned. When you try to follow faith people without faith, they'll succeed and you'll fail. Because it's not about marching, it's about marching in faith. 
Just because they marched in faith doesn't mean you following after them will be successful for you. They did it in faith. It preserved them. Egypt did it to chase them. It killed them. Almost done. 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Faith marches until walls fall down. Faith doesn't quit. Faith doesn't give up. Faith doesn't say, well, I prayed twice and it didn't work. Must not be the will of God. It was never faith in the first place. Faith marches till the walls come down. Faith toward God gets up and marches till the enemy is nothing. Faith says, I'll outlast you because I walk with God and you don't. Faith says, I will outlast you because God favors me and he doesn't like you at all. Faith says, I'm not quitting because I cannot afford to disappoint my God. Faith, none of this involved any mental ability. None of this required a PhD or a scholarly mind, so you don't have to have even a GED to do any of this. How many PhDs were present so far in this hall of faith? Do they even exist back then? No. So you don't have to be super smart to do any of this. You just have to have a faith toward God. I mean, think about Enoch. They were just discovering what wood was back in those days. What's this? It's wood. How do you know? I don't know. Let's just call it something. Let's call it wood. What does it do? Don't know. Let's try something. They were inventing all this stuff. So you don't have to be super smart. Sometimes I understand our mindset because we have a university and super smart people. When you don't have your GED or barely got your GED, don't have a, a BS or even a community college degree, you're intimidated by super smart people. Not many wise make heaven, the Bible tells us. So maybe be okay with a GED or an, a, a two-year degree. You don't have to be super smart to do any of this. Just have a faith toward God. Verse 31, by faith Rahab the harlot she perished not with them that believed not when she received the spies with peace. Yeah, uh, faith, faith cries out for a change of destiny. That's what that harlot wanted. She wanted to be different. And because she wanted to be different, when death came to everybody else, God preserved her. She became the great-grandmother of David. Verse 33 who through faith subdued kingdoms. Faith toward God subdues kingdoms. Faith toward God works righteousness. Faith toward God obtains promises. Faith toward God stops the mouths of lions, which can be a real big kitty cat or somebody who slanders you. Both are applicable interpretations. Faith toward God quenches the violence of fires. Faith toward God escapes the edges of swords. Faith toward God becomes strong. Faith toward God waxes valiant. That means faith toward God keeps you courageous. Some of you could use some more courage. How about you get a faith toward God and you'll never be a pussycat again. You'll be that lion. The righteous are bold as a lion. Faith toward God will wax valiant in fight, and it'll turn to flight the armies of the aliens. That doesn't mean something from Mars. It just means foreigners. Faith toward God will receive your dead raised to life again. And then others, by faith, rejected victory. They wanted a better resurrection. Faith toward God its our second foundation stone. It's active. It's aggressive. You get it in you. You can't sit still. You get it in you. You're not sweet like old Maul. Not Ma Creeble. She's not sweet. She's, she's, uh, she's baptized in the water of pickle juice. I mean, she was, her salvation experience involved a lot of vinegar. 
I mean, like, oh, your old grandma. Now, faith isn't always just passively sweet like grandma on the back Baptist pew. There was a time for that. Not today. Faith today is aggressive. It has to be. We're not in the times of Solomon's peace. We're in the times of David's opposition. So there ought to be this faith towards us that changes you, makes you something you could not be. One of the, I've told you many times, one of my greatest pains as a pastor is to invest in you service after service, week after week, year after year, and watch you look and live like you did when you first came here a year ago, five years ago, 20 years ago, when I knew you when I was in this church in college 27 years ago. That is a pastor's pain, to see you come and be taught about the faith of God and never get any. Because a faith toward God will make you look like God. A faith toward Christ will make you smell like Jesus, talk like Jesus, act like Jesus, look like Jesus, walk like Jesus, do the works of Jesus. Or you can come and just be a southern churchgoer, and that means you never had faith to begin with. Take inventory of your life. Because if you're not becoming more Christ-like, then these foundations are not in you. And if these foundations are not in you, then you are going backward. And the end of that, as Hebrews 6 goes on to say, is apostasy. For it is impossible if you have fallen back past a certain point to renew them all again. We have these foundation stones because we build our walk with Christ on them. Faith toward God presses onward. It wants better. What in your life needs to be better, and what are you doing to obtain it? And maybe ask, where in your life have you just given up? And you've just, you've just put that to bed, and you've said in your heart, that'll just never change. I guess I'll just have to cope. Our pastor in Indy, Pastor Tim, one of the best things he ever said is, Jesus did not call you to cope. He called you to conquer. Amen. Faith doesn't cope. Faith conquers. Pastor Vaughn said, we play till I win. So you just get back up again, march around Jericho another time, yell at it again. If God says it'll come down, it'll come down. You just keep marching and yelling. Faith toward God does not give up. Even on its last breath, it'll say, well, at least I didn't obtain it, but I'd ordered everything. I didn't receive everything, but I ordered it. And I guess it'll arrive after I make heaven. And it says these all died in faith, having not received the promises, but having believed in them or persuaded of them, had seen them afar off and embraced them and declared they were sojourners and foreigners in a strange land. That's what we do. It's not passive, folks. How dare the world tell us to be passive when they're flagrant, belligerent, hostile, singing boldly that they're coming for our children. No, you won't. I curse you to hell. Amen.